0: Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well in lockdown. It's been a long time and there's still a little way to go yet. I'm so thankful, though, that we have this amazing te- technology that we can still keep in touch with people and we can even do church online. Thanks for inviting me to speak today. It's been a while since I've been at Women's Church. Um, today we go, as Karina said, continue in a series for the term Be Bold we're going to be looking at another hero of the faith, Abraham. You know, there's this great story about a famous tightrope walker. His name is Charles Blondin. Maybe you've heard of him. In 1959, he was the first man to walk across Niagara Falls. Um, There's another slide. Yep. You can see him there in that photo on on your screen. 25,000 people gathered that day to watch him walk the hundred meters suspended on this tiny rope with no net, no harness and he did it successfully. He walked across and when he reached the Canadian side of the falls, he turned around and he walked back. But this time he was pushing a wheelbarrow full of rocks. He did this again and again. You can imagine the crowd, it it was going wild and then he yelled out, do you think I could carry a person in the wheelbarrow across the falls? Well the crowd roared their approval and roared their belief in him. And then Mr. Blondin pointed to one man and said, you, hop in, do you think he did it? No way, would you have? Abraham was a man who got in that wheelbarrow with God. In fact, the, in the Bible, we see him getting into that wheelbarrow time and time again, which is why he's considered one of the greats of the faith. He gets the most mention, actually, out of all those heroes um, listed in Hebrews eleven. He gets mentioned in the Bible two hundred and ninety-four times. He is—he was a man of bold obedience which is today's topic bold obedience so today we're going to look more closely at Abraham and his life we're going to look at what he actually did to deserve this reputation and we're going to think about where his faith came from and how we can be more like him and where we can get this faith from too and also I want to ask you does God sometimes ask too much of us Why don't we um, just pray, though, and ask God to teach us and challenge us as we look at Abraham's life today. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us from your word. Today, as we think about Abraham, I pray that you would use me to open up the scriptures. Allow the Holy Spirit to challenge and convict us when necessary and teach us from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So who was Abraham? We're told in Genesis 11 that Abraham was a descendant of Shem, one of Noah's sons. Abram, as he was known back then, was probably born right at the end of Noah's life or maybe just after he'd passed away. <coughs> Excuse me. Shem, uh, Abraham's great 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 grandfather ten generations back, lived 600 years the bible tells us and so he was probably still alive oh he was definitely still alive when Abraham was born and in fact he outlived Abraham how interesting is that Um, so Abraham had plenty of opportunities to learn about the saving mercy of God directly from those people who survived the flood but Abraham also grew up in the city of Ur in Mesopotamia, which is modern-day Iraq. It was an affluent, civilised, cosmopolitan area just south of Babylon, which was, of course, the seat of the powerful and extremely wealthy king of Babylon. This is the same area that the Tower of Babel was built. It was a very pagan area. Abraham's father, Terah, and his descendants... Joshua 24 tells us, served other gods. They weren't believers. So Abraham grew up with probably only a distant knowledge of the living God. Isn't it interesting that he wasn't known for his faith and courage before God called him? He wasn't even known as a righteous, God fearing man, or for that matter, even a believer. God doesn't always choose people he wants to use for their special attributes, knowledge or capabilities. We see this when he chose Moses with the speech impediment to be his mouthpiece to Pharaoh or when he he chose weak and reluctant Jonah to call the city of Nineveh to repentance. Sometimes, perhaps most of the time, God chooses people for what he knows he will do in and through them. He chooses them not for who they are, but for who he is. So why was Abraham eventually known as a man of faith? In the Bible, there are two main stories um, that show Abraham's faith in God. The first one is the one that Karina's just read to us uh, in Genesis 12, and it's mentioned again in Hebrews 11. In Genesis 12 verse 1 it says that God told Abraham go from your country your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. What a command. You know when God told our family to move to Mongolia 11 years ago I mean that was a huge challenge. It really rocked us. It rocked our world. It rocked our church. It it was amazing but this request of God or command of God's to Abraham now was completely different. Abraham's not just going somewhere for the weekend. This is no luxury mystery flight where he gets to come home after a few days. He's told to take his family on a journey to an unknown destination, which is going to take an unknown length of time to get there. Can you imagine Sarah's reaction when he tells her this? God makes a whole lot of promises to bless Abraham if Abraham will obey him. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I'll make your name great and I'll bless you and all people through you. Look, as tempting as this all sounds, I have to be honest, I still don't know that it would have been enough to get me to do it. So why did he go? Abraham may not have known a lot about God at the time that God called him, but he knew enough to know that God was trustworthy and that his promises, however far-fetched they seemed, were reliable. Remember, Abraham knew the story of the flood from first-hand survivors. So he set off. He set off with his wife, Sarah, with his nephew, Lot, and with his servants, And everything that they'd accumulated and they left. Bold obedience based on the knowledge of the living God. Slide two. The second story which we didn't read but we can't leave out when we think about the bold obedience and faith of Abraham is the incredible story in Genesis 22. I'm sure you know this story. Abraham is asked by God to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. So I want to read that now. Um, It's Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. Uh, That will be, the passage will be up on on your slides. Let's read it. Some time later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac and go to the region of Moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you early the next morning Abraham got up and loaded his donkey he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering he set out for the place God had told him about on the third day Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. What an incredible story. And I would love to hear, have heard the conversations between Abraham and Isaac on the way back down the mountain. But we've just fast forwarded a number of years from that first story where Abraham first left um, his home. Abraham is told by God at this in this story to take Isaac, his only son, a mountain and sacrifice him. Wait, what? Remember though that God had promised earlier that God would make Abraham's descendants into a great nation. How would he do that without an heir? But the Bible tells us that without question, without arguing, it says early in the next morning. That means at the first possible opportunity, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey, took Isaac and a couple of servants, and off he went. Immediate obedience. When my kids were little, we used to say to them, delayed obedience is disobedience. Their lack of immediate action when Murray and I told them to do something reflected their heart attitude. It showed us that they really were putting their own agenda first. (coughs) Excuse me. But here we're told that Abraham doesn't hesitate to obey the Lord immediately, even with such a shocking and heart-wrenching request. Abraham, by this time, from years and years of following God, knew his God. He knew that God can do anything. He knew what John the Baptist knew when years, hundreds of years later, he said, um, and this is Matthew chapter three, verse nine, I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. Abraham knew God could do anything. Bold obedience based on knowledge and now experience of a faithful, trustworthy God. These are amazing stories of a faithful, courageous, obedient man. Or was he? He certainly seemed to be by the time God tested him and asked him to sacrifice Isaac, but was he always? Where did this faith, which gave Abraham the ability to boldly obey God, where did it come from? And how can we get it? Excuse me. Ephesians 2 verse 8 tells us that our faith is a gift from God. It's nothing we've achieved ourselves. God gives us the faith to obey him. Our entire salvation, even our faith, comes from God. And he wants to give it to us. The Bible says God wants to bless us with good things. It's all through the Bible. Psalm 84.11, Matthew 7.11, James one, seventeen. You read it yourself. All we need to do is ask. It says in Luke 11.13 to ask and God will give us good things. So our faith is a gift from God. Faith, as we've seen with Abraham, also comes from knowing God, knowing his character and experiencing his faithfulness and provision in our own lives. Our well-known Christian author, Henry Blackaby, says that each time we choose to step out in faith and obey God, our experience of him and our trust in him deepens and in turn our faith grows. He says that God continually gives us these opportunities and we can either choose to accept them or ignore them. So, faith is a gift from God. Faith comes from knowing God and experiencing his faithfulness and provision. And faith comes from knowing our end goal, our ultimate purpose. Hebrews 11 9 and 10 tells us that by faith Abraham made his home in the promised land, he lived in tents. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations. His architect and builder is God. Abraham knew God hadn't just called him to Canaan, but to a more permanent home, an eternal one in heaven. That was his real hope. That was his true promise, his ultimate goal. You know, my kids, like so many other missionary kids, struggle to answer the question, Where is home? They sort of have two, Mongolia and Australia, but they don't really belong in either. Um, They consider themselves nomads. They're used to traveling, they're used to being outsiders. Keegan even has a tattoo, which you'll be able to see on your your screen. And he got this in Mongolia, it's written in the Mongolian ancient script, and it says nomad. He says it helps him remember that heaven is his true home and that he's only passing through this place. It means when God asks him to go somewhere or do something, he's ready and willing. Abraham knew where he was headed, where he truly belonged, and this freed him to follow the Lord anywhere, to do anything God asked. Bold obedience because he knew his end goal Are we holding too tightly to things of this world that prevent us from going where God calls us or doing what he wants us to do? Do we, like Abraham, have a clear picture of where our true home is or are we fixated on our earthly temporary home? But now I want to ask you something. Does it feel like God sometimes asks too much of you? Let's go back to that first story of Abraham's um, act of faith that Hebrews talks about, where God tells Abraham to pack up everything and go. Just excuse me a moment. Sorry about that. This command of God seems really out of the blue, completely unexpected. And it's easy to read that passage in Genesis and think, I could never do that. Now, I don't want to take away from the incredible amount of faith that Abraham showed, but I want to suggest that God was already working, orchestrating events way before he spoke to Abraham. He had already set the scene to make it just a tad easier for Abraham to say, Yes, Lord. Have a look with me at Genesis 11 verse 31 on your screen. Terah took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abraham. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Did you catch it? Terah, Abraham's father, was already going to Canaan. He'd already left home. Have a look at the map on your screen now. This is a a picture, um, a map of where Abraham and, well, Terah and then Abraham went. Terah had taken his family, left their home in Ur, which is down on the bottom right of your screen, and he had traveled almost halfway to Canaan. Now, in those days, you couldn't just go straight from Ur to Canaan, uh, because you'd have to cross the Arabian desert on foot, which is not a good thing to do. Instead, Terah and his family followed the waterways, which was the normal path. They followed the Euphrates River, where the towns were situated, and he ended up in Haran at the, at the north of your screen, which is in modern-day southern Turkey. Now, we're not told Terah, who, remember, was not a believer. He worshipped other gods, other gods. We're not told why he was heading to Canaan. We're not told why he ended up stopping halfway in Haran. But we do know that Terah's decision to leave Ur, the family seat for generations, took Abraham almost half the way to the place God finally called him to. Isn't that interesting? Abraham had grown up in wealthy, built up Ur. But because of Terah's decision to move to Canaan, Abraham learned how to become a nomad for the first time in his life. He learned how to live in tents with his dad he traveled 8,000 kilometers from Ur to Haran on foot or maybe camel but he learned how to survive. So when God called him from Haran to go to a place that he would show him Abraham knew the logistics of how to do this because he'd already done it with his dad. He didn't know where God was going to take him but he knew how to survive as a nomad. And finally, Abraham was used to being on the move. You know, our eldest son, Jack, and his new wife, Jazz, are planning to move to London. At the end of the year, Jack has a job there with the London Ambulance Service as a paramedic. For Jack, it's pretty pretty easy. He's moved countries a few times now. Uh, He's used to moving around, and he's left his family before. But for Jazz, who's barely moved a suburb away from her family, It's going to be a whole different matter. It's going to be hard. But Abraham had already left his home in Ur. He was already a nomad. God had already loosened the ties he had on a particular place or a particular people group. And it made it that much easier to leave again. So all this time we can see that God had been preparing Abraham for the journey ahead. He knew what Abraham needed. He knew his limitations and capabilities. It was still a huge leap of faith for Abraham to obey God and follow him. But we can see God's hand behind the scenes, laying it all out for him and readying him. Bold obedience. Why? Because God had been preparing him. Does God ask the impossible of us? maybe if we're only relying on our own capabilities but if God asks us to do something we can be sure that he will also provide the way and the means he's already preparing us for the task he's given us all right so today we've seen that Abraham showed bold obedience based on his knowledge of the living God He showed bold obedience based on knowledge and his experience of a faithful, trustworthy God. He showed bold obedience because he knew his end goal. And he showed bold obedience because God had been preparing him. What about you? What is God asking of you today, this week, this year? Whatever it is, Know that, like in Abraham's life, God has already been preparing you for this task. And he will give you whatever you need to obey him. Hold loosely to things of this earth, sisters, because our true home, our true hope is with Christ in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for what we can learn from Abraham and his life. Lord, give us the courage of Abraham. Give us the, um, all the things that we need to obey you. And Father, I pray that when you ask us to obey you, we would be ready, willing, with immediate obedience. In Jesus' name, amen.